The following is a presentation of the Recycling Council of Alberta's 2019 Sea Change Conference held October 2nd to 4th in Jasper, Alberta. The RCA would like to thank our supporters for making this conference possible, including Platinum sponsor GFL Environmental and the sponsor of this session, Strathcona County. In this session, we hear from Usman Valiante, principal at Gardwell Grove. He has 27 years of experience in a variety of fields, including environmental science and economics, corporate and commercial strategy, public policy, and communications. Usman proposes systematic changes to create a circular economy for plastics. Thanks. I, I, I too, am a British Columbian, and I live on the traditional lands of the Skolmish at the top of uh, Howe Sound. Um, so, um, I, I guess my presentation pivots off perfectly off of Rubens because I'm going to talk today about uh, systemic change, and I'm going to talk about that in the context of plastics. Um, so, a little bit of, of some background as to what I'm going to talk about. Um, the, that slide is a cover of a report that I prepared for the Smart Prosperity Institute that was sponsored by the Circular Economy Leaders Coalition um, on plastics. And the work I did uh, f for this report, actually there was a longer report that was done for the Canadian Councils of Ministers of the Environment um, on barriers to a circular economy for plastics. And that work was informed by work that I've been doing for a number of consumer product companies and retailers on plastics. And that work started actually previous, before the Asian markets closed because these companies recognized that plastics were becoming uh, an untenable problem in, in, the, in the system and that they were going to be facing some serious issues in the long run uh, in the choices they were making on, on packaging design and on uh, end-of-life impacts as well as, as I'm going to talk about, um, with regards to greenhouse gas impacts. So uh, this has been a long time coming. I've been, been at this for a while. And sort of the next uh, 18 minutes, I'm going to precede down uh, what what uh, the pathway is to a circular economy for plastics and the types of systemic changes that we need to make, uh, harkening back to Ruben's presentation, to get us where we need to get to. Um, so um, I, I want to start with uh, putting plastics into context. So I've got a Sankey diagram up there. This was published this year. And on the left, it shows the inputs of fossil resources. So natural gas liquids, oil, um, uh, light fractions of crude, et cetera, that go into the production of hydrocarbon-based petrochemicals. So if you go through, that's a mass balance. And on the right-hand side, you see a big, thick blue band at the top. Um, and that is fertilizers. So I want to talk, before I talk about plastics, I want to talk about fertilizers for a second. Um, because fertilizers and plastics have a lot of things in common. First, they're made of hydrocarbons. Those fertilizers we use to grow food, and um, some of that fertilizer gets discharged. And in fact, that fertilizer is what has allowed us to increase agricultural productivity globally, and is what's also driven population increases. And that fertilizer is actually what's in your food. So you actually eat fossil fuels. So um, that's one thing to think about, is how we produce food, and then a significant portion of those fertilizers end up in the environment causing problems like nutrification of waterways, 
and destruction of the ocean. I live on the ocean, I'm a diver, I get to see what happens when, when there's agricultural runoff and I see plastics in the ocean. So um, the, the, the next two bands are plastics. So thermosets and elastomers or, or, uh, or um, uh, thermoplastics and thermosets. So thermosets are things like tires, uh, so rubber, and, and thermoplastics are things like your PET bottles, HDPE, LDPE, etc. Forty percent of all the fossil uh, resources that go into petrochemicals go into plastics. And if you look at the greenhouse gas generation just associated with the production of plastics, it's 623 million metric tons of greenhouse gases a year to produce about 340, 330, 340 million metric tons of, of plastic. And of that plastic, um, so if I go to this slide here, that's a Canadian statistic. 9% uh, of the plastic in Canada is recycled. Um, that statistic is pretty well um, the statistic globally. So 91% of the plastics is lost as waste. All of the embedded hydrocarbons and all of the greenhouse gases used to produce those plastics are lost. And then we just go into another cycle of making more plastic. And that just goes on and on. And plastics increase is growing every year. So the petrochemical sector or the, 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 the uh, primary extraction, the fossil fuel industry, uh, anticipates that all of the reductions in fossil fuel use uh, due to electrification of transportation is going to be displaced with increase in plastics. And meanwhile, we stagnate at a 9% recycling rate. So clearly we've got a systemic problem and we need some kind of systemic solution. So, um, so, so what we call this, so folks are hearing the term circular economy uh, 23, 24 years ago. Uh, when I was a junior researcher, we called it industrial ecology, and I worked on industrial ecology projects. We now call it circular economy, but the concepts are the same. And the problem that we have is we're in a linear economy, which is, as I've described it for plastics, is the take-make-waste uh, take economy, which is we put fossil resources in to make products. Products are being produced because manufacturers are producing products to meet consumer demand. It is the manufacturer of a product or the manufacturer that uses a packaging, uses packaging that makes choices about what that packaging or product is made from. That then drives demand for resources. So in the case of where I'm using plastics for my packaging, that then sets off a chain reaction, which is the extraction of natural gas liquids, the production of ethylene, the production of polyethylene from ethylene, and then the shipment of the ethylene to my packaging reformer that makes my, my plastic clamshell or bag or whatever it is that I'm using. Then I put my product in it, it goes out and it goes into the waste stream. And so it can either get landfilled or burned. And burning just converts plastics to greenhouse gases. You're just transferring, transferring the hydrocarbons from one medium to another um, with some marginal energy return. And then we start the cycle all over again. And each stage when we move products we produce uh, plastics, we're generating greenhouse gases. The entire system today is largely powered by fossil fuels. So that's the linear economy um, that we have today. And again, just the production is 630 million metric tons of greenhouse gases. When I burn that plastic, I triple that. So I immediately uh, uh, triple the greenhouse gases associated with it because it's, burning plastic is no different than burning gasoline. 
So here's some Canadian statistics. Um, these were done by Deloitte for the, for the CCME, or sorry, for Environment Canada um, earlier this year. We generate about 3.4 million metric tons of plastic waste from consumption of 4.7 million tons. The 4.7 million tons is both in packaging and durable goods. The 3.3 is comprised of durable and non-durable, what, what are being called single-use plastics, that end up requiring disposal. And so today, uh, the recycling rate is 9%, and the, and the remainder uh, is disposed of. So this is the Canadian profile, and, Canadi and Canada is a large producer of plastics. We, have, we are a petro-state, um, and we have a very significant petrochemical sector. That is uh, a, both a reality and an opportunity because some of the things I'm going to talk about to get to a circular economy for plastics, we have a head start on because we have a very sophistic sophisticated petrochemical sector. And everything I'm going to talk about is using plastics but using them in a new system. And that system, again, we have a head start because of the petrochemical sector that we have. So, um, oops, uh, wrong way. Here we go. Um, so just defining the circular economy, lots of folks out there say there's lots of different definitions. That's actually not true. There's really only one definition of circular economy, and that's one where a product or package is either used, uh, it can be discharged into the environment and consumed by the environment with no harm. So it is a truly not just biodegradable uh, package or product, but it is food, a nutrient for biological systems. So today there's lots of things that we say are compostable, but they contain inks or dyes or additives which are actually bioaccumulate and are a toxin. So that, that's a very strict definition which says you can put it back and it can be consumed. So think of a tree losing its leaves in the fall. Those leaves, the forest doesn't have a waste management problem. Those leaves are, are nutrients for the next cycle of production. So that's, that's one, one system that, that we can aspire to. The other is it becomes a technical nutrient, which is it goes back into our industrial systems at high quality. So if we're, take, we're using aluminum, we bring that aluminum back in, it goes into the next cycle of production, and there's no waste associated with it. And today, most of our recycling activities have residuals associated with them because we don't design things for recycling, and so they're downgraded in the recycling process. Um, and so that, you know, again, we don't have truly closed-loop technical systems today for a lot of materials. So a circular economy doesn't, is not recycling on steroids. A circular economy is a completely different system. Recycling is certainly a part of it. But if I walk through the life cycle of plastics, again, I have the producer demanding plastic for a product. However, now I'm making plastics using... Uh, artificial photosynthesis. So there is, where I live in Squamish, there's carbon engineering. Carbon engineering is sucking carbon dioxide out of the air using sunlight and using solar hydrogen. You can take that carbon dioxide and that hydrogen, you can start to make hydrocarbons. So you're going the other way. Instead of taking, putting CO2 into the air, you're taking CO2 out of the air, taking hydrogen from water, and you're making ethylene. So these chemistries are becoming uh, technically feasible and they're becoming economically feasible. Alberta has some of the lowest cost wind and solar power. It's under four cents a kilowatt hour here in, in Alberta, which makes it ideally suited to start producing these new chemistries. So now you've got plastics that rather than being carbon positive, that means they generate CO2. You're actually sucking CO2 to make plastic. And so you're reversing the system. 
you also can make plastics from waste biomass. And so now, now you're making plastics in a way where you're recirculating carbon. Think of it as carbon recycling. That goes into a system that now is designed, as Ruben talked about, to simplify the collection and recycling of plastics. And so that system now collects these plastics. Some of the plastics that are what we call hard to recycle today, you can gasify those plastics and make the next cycle of plastics. And so now we've got emerging recycling technologies, chemical recycling technologies for plastics, and these are all Canadian companies. I can list them off. Green Mantra, Pyrowave, Enerchem in Edmonton can make methanol from plastic. So, you know, there's Canadian technology emerging for the recycling of plastic, um, and that means recovering the hydrocarbons for the next cycle of production. If you start to power the system through renewable energy, you now go from carbon positive and, and you start to switch that system so it's actually sucking carbon in into the plastic. You're recirculating the plastic. You're now not generating any greenhouse gases and you're recirculating those hydrocarbons and you've now supplanted what you were taking from fossil resources and you're now using renewable plastic chemistries with new, with new recycling chemistries at the back end. So this is a com complete system transformation on how we make and use plastics. Um, and I can tell you the National Research Council, I'm working with the National Research Council to hold a seminar uh, for packaging designers and for resin makers um, on this. And it's, it's, yes, it's education, but it's getting the science out there and talking about the art of the possible. And this, this is not science fiction. This is happening today across Canada. These technologies are under development and they're at the cusp of being scalable and economic. So again, this, this slide just elaborates on some of the, I'm, I'm not gonna give an organics chemistry lesson here, but, but effectively these are the pathways for making the hydrocarbons we get from fossil resources today using CO2 and water and sunlight. So uh, electrocatalytic produ production, which are these catalysts that, are, that allow you to take CO2 and produce these hydrocarbons in biomass. So the two pathways to keep in mind. And then again, I've talked about uh, chemical recycling. And so the, the, bottom, the bottom diagram is really shows how you can take solid waste, gasify it, reform it into what's called syngas, which is carbon monoxide and hydrogen, and then reform it into a number of uh, chemical products. So again, uh, the Enerchem process takes hydrocarbons from food waste and from plastics and paper and then you can reform it into syngas, produce methanol, and methanol becomes a carrier to then produce ethylene, which then you're back to producing plastic. So, you know, there's still some challenges with these technologies. Uh, it's gonna require systems to collect materials in a different way than we do today, so it can feed these systems. Um, so you're getting a relatively homogenous mix of hydrocarbons to go in here, which then speaks to how we collect things and how we prepare them for recycling. So again, it's systemic reform. Um, oops, again. So, so this is really where we go from, okay, we understand where we want to go to, you know, that, that shining castle on the hill, um, but we're here right now and we need, to get to, we need to get there somehow. So what are the barriers? So the first thing is, it, today it is very, very cheap to make plastics from fossil resources. Um, it is far cheaper than to do it from the renewable chemistries I've talked about. You, when you extract natural gas, you have fugitive methane emissions, you have all of these unpriced externalities as we call, uh, we call them, 
and we have huge scale efficiencies in fossil production. So an ethylene plant that's being fed by natural gas wells is a huge scale facility. It has huge efficiencies. So first of all, renewable chemistries and recycling has to compete with the super cheap plastic at the front end. And, and so then I've, I've already touched on the second part, which is these unpriced externalities, all the greenhouse gas emissions associated with producing plastics that today aren't addressed or priced. Um, that exchange of information between actors. So a lot of what I do, I'm a generalist. I know enough about chemistry and I know enough about economics and I know enough about things to know what I don't know. And I bring people together and we build teams and we try to solve problems. And so one of the things is getting the packaging using companies to think about these new chemistries and actually assess their feasibility and then go back and talk to their suppliers and start to have a dialogue. And that's emerging now. And there's a number of leading uh, Canadian consumer products companies and retailers that are starting to have that dialogue with the actual folks that are recycling materials and are looking to produce from renewable sources. So there needs to be these mavens that are a conduit between science and technology and the folks that are trying to put stuff into the market. Then there's the technological barriers. Those always exist, and I can tell you there's a lot of uh, really smart young people at, in academic institutions across Canada working on improving these catalysts, getting the chemical efficiency up, um, and, and making these technologies viable commercially, but they're going to need a kickstart, and that's what I'm going to talk about uh, next. And then existing policies and regulations that are a block to innovation. Um, some of our traditional recycling systems, if you look at the way we've done product stewardship in Ontario or Quebec uh, for a host of materials, they institutionalize bad practices. We need to rethink our public policies on uh, producer responsibility and, and what extended producer responsibility really means, and I'm going to talk about that in the next uh, three minutes, um, and, then, um, and then we can have a chat. So um, we talk about reduction, reuse, and recycling. So all those unpriced externalities, all of those, those, all that pollution, once you start to bring in policies in place that prohibit a free ride, that prohibit you from polluting uh, for free or producing things with, by generating waste, then what you do gets, if you, the wasteful activities become more expensive and that's when you have an incentive to look at reduction, reuse and recycling. Right now, there's very little incentive to look at those things because producing plastics is cheap and wasting it is very cheap. So three powerful levers in two minutes to, uh, to drive to a circular economy. So full producer responsibility. Full producer responsibility is not about transferring municipal costs to producers on a status quo system. Full producer responsibility is having producers build a reverse supply chain to consolidate materials and scale those systems to get materials processed in a way that, that allows for innovation. If you have um, you know, dozens and dozens of small 30,000 ton material recycling facilities, you don't have the scale to make the technological in, uh, investments in sorting of plastics that get you the feedstock you need to put back into mechanical and chemical recycling. So you need scale, producers can bring scale, producers can actually span provincial borders. Um, the way I envision things, Western Canada should have one scaled system that's pulling materials from thousands, millions of Western Canadians to scale facilities that can get those plastics back into the next cycle of production. Stringency. There's no point doing EPR if you're going to set 50% recycling target. Nobody here passed in school at 50%. 50% is bogus. 
Um, we should be shooting for zero waste. And yes, it's going to cost a bit in the short term, but in the long run, those multi-laminate packages that are tough to recycle today, there are technical solutions, and when they're at scale, the unit cost is going to come down for producers. Provide producers with economic freedom. So governments, when they regulate EPR, should regulate outcomes and performance objectives. We want this recycling target. We define recycling this way. We expect the market to sort it out. So the government should stay out of process and focus on measurement of outcomes and enforcement of those out outcomes to ensure that you get the innovation that you need to, to, uh, to fix this problem. Um, governments need to make policy and again, uh, and, and administer the law. So free riders are an issue and ensure compliance with accessibility and performance standards. It, EPR, regulating EPR actually is not that difficult. The simpler the EPR regulation, the better. Um, two other things, despite my time's up. Low carbon standards for plastics. Ruben mentioned standards, and standards are critical. So a low carbon uh, standard for plastics would then set a bar that if you were to produce plastics, you need to meet the standard. And if you met that standard, you could do it through recycling or new renewable chemistries, and that would ensure that the guy that's producing recycled plastic has a market for it because folks would have to meet a standard for that carbon intensity for plastics. And then finally, pricing of greenhouse gases or mitigating them, low, you know, low carbon vehicle uh, standards, direct pricing of greenhouse gases, um, all of the things that we do to mitigate greenhouse gases are going to improve the greenhouse gas profile of that overall life cycle. And elect, you know, electrification is the future. Hydrogen is going to be a product of elect electrification. And it, the, the only way we're going to decarbonize the things that we produce, 45% of, of the greenhouse gases generated or in the stuff we produce, is if we have mechanisms to decarbonize the system uh, along with changing how we make and use things. That's it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Sea Change Conference session. Search for On the Cusp, Alberta's circular podcast on iTunes and Google Play, or visit recycle.ab.ca to see the full slides and audio presentation.